Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon Holiday Extravaganza. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. All month long, I'll bring you interviews with authors chatting about their holiday-themed cozies. You'll also hear authors sharing their special holiday memories. And you'll find holiday photos and recipes on the podcast Instagram. Happy listening. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Author Leslie Butowitz joins me in the corner today to chat about As the Christmas Cookie Crumbles, her Christmas-themed Food Lovers Village Cozy Mystery. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you for having me here today, Alexia. It's a delight. All is not merry and bright in in Jewel Bay in this one. So what's happening in As the Christmas Cookie Crumbles? So Jewel Bay, Montana is a small lakeside resort village on the road to Glacier National Park in northwestern Montana. And it is based in some ways on Big Fork, the town where I live on the shores of Flathead Lake. The town is on the shores. I personally am not privileged to live on the lake, but that's another set of stories. Um, It's a lovely, delightful little village, but things on the page tend to go wrong in ways that happily they they don't uh, in the real village. So what's going on here is in As the Christmas Cookie Crumbles, Action starts on decorating day, which is a real event in in our real town that I've participated in many times. And it's when our unincorporated little village, both the real one and the fictional one, uh, decorate for the holiday season to call themselves Montana's Christmas Village. All the villagers come out and help the shopkeepers in the down what what in other towns might be called the downtown area, put up their garland and their lights and lash saplings and red ribbons to every virtually every upright thing that doesn't move and it's a a lot of fun but sometimes little little glitches can happen and uh, Aaron Murphy proprietor of the Merc the Mercantile uh, discovers that the wrong tub of lights has been delivered to her shop and she carries it down the street to the Thornton's antique shop to to return uh, their lights and and fetch her own and discovers Walt and Taya Thornton, who are a couple of, oh, probably in their mid-60s or so, outside their shop, which is beautifully decorated for the season, and their, their daughter, who is about 40, who has just returned to town and she is, in their view, persona non grata. She has done something that uh, happened 20 years ago that they have not been able to forgive. And Aaron witnesses, uh, an, I, I can't call it a shouting match because there's really only one person shouting, but she, she witnesses this altercation and it disturbs her deeply. So she, she takes Merrily back to her shop to help uh, Merrily, who is of course named for Christmas because her parents, the antique dealers, love the holiday. Uh, she takes Merrily back to her shop. They they chat. She really likes the woman. She invites her to a Christmas cookie exchange the next day at her family's home. 
and um, Marilee doesn't show up. And that's a, a real surprise. And from there, uh, troubles, pardon the expression, snowball. Erin uh, finds herself forced to investigate or compelled to investigate uh, when her new friend is found dead, a string of Christmas lights around her neck. And she investigates to, to protect the community she loves and to keep the Christmas spirit shining brightly. Of course, she's also uh, just about to get married. And so that adds some challenges to the season. And of course, she runs a busy retail shop. So we've got a lot going on on, on uh, all three fronts, uh, the community, the shop and home life. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And of course, there's no need to apologize for puns in a uh, podcast about cozies because cozies are famous for their puns. Uh, so we, we, we love a good pun. So uh, we could talk about things snowballing in a Christmas cozy um, all day. <laughs> and isn't that part of the fun of them? It's just a delight to be able to do that. In a cozy, of course, we always treat the, the crime, the murder, and the, the shattered relationships seriously. We treat those with great respect. But we have a lot of fun with, with other things like the the sisters, Marilee and Holly, both named for Christmas. And uh, there's a, a character in another book in this series named Jack Frost. There are the Easter twins, Polly and Bunny. Um, we just can have a lot of fun with, with peripheral things, with things that involve the community itself. Uh, this is the fifth mystery in this particular series. So how did you decide to set this one at Christmas time? Well, we started in May and moved around through the year. And so this would be the mm, second Christmas, second winter of uh, uh, the series. And I decided to do a Christmas book because I just, I hadn't done one before. And I thought it would be a lot of fun. And the the village that is my model takes Christmas uh, really to heart. And I thought that that spirit would be fun to, to portray on the page and that readers would really enjoy it. I know that readers enjoy a good Christmas ministry. Plus, of course, the holidays, like so many other gatherings, are um, potentially rife with tensions. They are a time when emotions and anxieties sometimes run high when sometimes people are uh, forced to spend time with people they might not otherwise choose to, including some of their own relatives. And that can lead to some tensions. And we have to have tension and conflict to spur a good mystery, especially Absolutely. a cozy. Absolutely. Uh, we also have to have food in cozies because Absolutely. Um, they're, that we, we just do. And one of the things that you have in going on in Jewel Bay is a cookie swap. So first yes. off, what's a cookie swap? So a cookie swap is when a group of people will each make uh, enough of a particular cookie or candy or, or other treat that they associate with the holidays to share with others. And so you might make six dozen cookies, keep a dozen for yourself, wrap up in cute little packages, the other five dozen, go to a swap and come home with uh, one dozen each of five other treats. So then all of a sudden you have a great variety of cookies and you only baked once. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
it does lead to conversations like, is this truly a Christmas cookie or not? I am of the view that a Christmas cookie has to have something special about it, something that uh, makes it a treat and also uh, something that you would not make the rest of the year. And so Erin, of course, speaks for me about this as she does many other things. And she takes the view that a Christmas cookie has to have something special in it. And she and her young cousin, Molly, who brings three ingredient peanut butter cookies, which are delicious, by the way, get into it a little bit because Erin just doesn't think a peanut butter cookie is is uh, unique enough to be a Christmas cookie. Also, you might want to have a, a peanut butter cookie in in March or June, and you probably uh, uh, wouldn't want to have some of these other treats then. I'm just imagining the tension and the drama that could come from you know that that one person who makes the cookies and nobody really likes and uh, like, you know, <laughs> d- d- debates over whether it counts as a Christmas cookie or not. And, uh, you know, do you, d- does everybody really want to eat the cookies from that one sketchy kitchen over there? So I, I can see how that could uh, certainly lead to some uh, interesting, uh, cozy mystery dilemmas. <laughs> and what if you threw a holiday cookie exchange and everyone b- brought Russian tea cakes, which are also called Mexican wedding cakes or snowballs. They're probably the most popular Christmas cookie. I have done surveys on my Facebook author page. They and uh, frosted sugar cookies, peanut butter blossoms. Now that's different than your standard peanut butter cookie. Those might might be the three most popular. Those certainly they have some, some good competition. I used the Russian tea, tea cake recipe um, in here and gave it to Marilee, our murder victim. And it's not a spoiler to say that since the, the cover copy says that, and because of course we know there has to be someone who, who meets an unfortunate fate. Um, I used that and gave it to her and used it as kind of a clue. There, there's sort of a clue hidden in the cookie baking. Clue in the cookie. <laughs> So yes, not the clue in the cookie itself. <laughs> Although I will tell you, um, since we're talking about the cookie in the title, when I was writing this book, it was it, it was untitled. It uh, I usually have a title when I'm working, but with this one I didn't. It was just Food Lovers Village Number Five. Well, obviously I couldn't turn it into the publisher with that title, so I just said, "As the Christmas cookie crumbles, and you can change it if you come up with something better." And they loved it. And truthfully, it is kind of perfect, isn't it? It is a perfect title. And it sounds like you've got some perfect cookie recipes in it as well. So who, who develops the recipes? Do you develop them? Or, yes. And do you select yes. which ones go in the book? I do. Every recipe in all, each of my books in, in each series um, is well and thoroughly tested in my home kitchen. Uh, a couple of them have been developed by other people. Well, some are, are adaptations, of course, because Russian tea cakes, for example, are well known. Um, but uh, my husband created the marvelous recipe that is also kind of at the center of the mystery in Crime Rib, which is the second book in the Food Lovers Village series. And that's a grilled filet served on a portobello mushroom with a huckleberry morel sauce. And a huckleberry is a, a, like a wild blueberry of sorts, 
quite a, a treat for those of us who live in the Northern Rockies. It grows around here in the wild. And um, uh, he developed that based on a recipe he had, uh, a meal he had in a, a restaurant in San Francisco. And then uh, there's another recipe or two that came from my best friend from college, who is a serious cook, and she has tested some recipes for me as well. So, in, in all of your recipe testing and development, what are what are some of your favorites? What what are the ones that you'd make, especially the cookie ones that you'd make, even if you, uh, you know, weren't uh, testing them for your next book? Oh, great question! I hadn't thought about that. Some of them do come from our regular rotation. Uh, in Death El Dente, the first book in the series, there's a carbonara recipe that's a little unusual, and it's one I've been making since I first started teaching myself to cook right after law school, and that was mm, umpty dump years ago. <laughs> um, there is also a recipe for chocolate mousse that is really simple. You think of mousse as complicated, but it's not, and you can add a dash of huckleberry syrup or some other flavor to give it a, a special holiday lift if you want it. There are occasionally cocktail recipes. Those are fun to, to, uh, to taste and test. And um, of the cookies, well, certainly the Russian tea cakes are the classic and I love those and try to make them every year. I see in the back of this book as I flip through it right now, fudge ecstasies and those are delightful as well. And I did, just for fun, include Molly's six-ingredient peanut butter cookies, even if they're not Christmas cookies. What if you put, can you put a little red and green sugar on them and make them more Christmassy? You could. <laughs> you could do that, Alexia. You could do that. <laughs> so now my, my head's filled with images of cookie swaps and decorating day. And so what's... What's Christmas actually like in Montana? I know you said decorating day was a real thing that happens in your town. It is, it is. And it's a lot of fun because it, um, it illustrates the community spirit that so many small towns have that I really think is the heart of the cozy mystery. This bringing together of the community after an event that has, has ruptured it uh, is really the, the essence of a good cozy in my view. And so that's one of the reasons why this particular town is such a great model for uh, a cozy small town. Uh, you don't necessarily expect a cozy small town in the Northern Rockies or in Montana. You expect cowboys and uh, dude ranches, and we have those. And you expect cattle ranches, and we certainly have those, and wheat fields and all of those things. But we've also got our, our darling little towns where people are closely connected, where there are interesting little shops. This particular town, which is the model for Jewel Bay, has great food and a, a really interesting collection of galleries. There are quite an amazing collection of artists around here. And uh, a lot of other fun little things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. A theater, a playhouse, rather, live theater, not a movie theater. That we don't have. But we do have this live theater that becomes part of the story in, hmm, I'm looking at the books to remember which one it's in. It's in uh, Butter Off Dead and in one of the short stories in 
Carried to the Grave, which is a Food Lovers Village short story collection. So that community aspect really is visible at Christmas. The community gets together to check the lights, to cut the, the greens for the garlands. We live in a heavily wooded area to cut the little saplings that get tied to every pillar and post and then comes out and decorates on a Saturday morning after Thanksgiving. And then that evening, town is all lit up. The shops stay open. The restaurants and bars are open late and uh, people come out and see, see the town transformed. And I wanted to put that in the book just because it's, it's so much fun. And that's, that's really what, um, Christmas here is is like it may or may not be a white Christmas this year. I think it will be. And you've you've talked about some of the things that make uh, cozies, especially Christmas cozies, so popular. The sense of community and the uh, sort of the chance to experience what Christmas is like uh, somewhere different to where you are, and of course the recipes. So, what are what are some of your favorite Christmas stories to read? Uh, to read or oh, even a or family movies. story that you'd like to tell of movies. Uh, there's, we have a plethora of Christmas movies out. Um, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I love Anne Perry's Christmas novellas. I have only read a few of her full length historical novels, but her, her novellas uh, are set mostly in the late 19th century. And she has taken the minor characters from her historical series and given them a story of their own. And I just think some of them are brilliant. Uh, A Christmas Journey in particular, where she takes Charlotte Pitt's Aunt Vespasia as a young woman and gives her a really interesting philosophical challenge that is connected to a murder. And then she has to take a journey with with, uh, uh, the accused killer in order to fulfill a promise. And it is is just a really fascinating book. Um, one of the things I liked about those novellas and, and what inspired me to do something similar in the novella that's in my, my short story collection, which is also historical, um, you can take a risk in a short story or a novella that you might not take in a full length book. And you can bring a character forward since a novella might be about a third of the length of a, a full length book. And Perry does that brilliantly. On, on a completely different end of the spectrum, I love a, a hilarious Christmas caper called St. Nick by Alan Russell, in which a disgraced police officer takes a job in mall security at Christmas and ends up busting a crime ring that uses Santas and elves as part of the crime, becomes a hero to the the merchants, the town, and most importantly, his own children. And that one is a lot of fun. In movie world, so I'll just say right out, I know this one is somewhat controversial. I don't understand why it is. I am not a big fan of action movies, but yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We'll just get that one right out of the way, right? (laughs) After that, I suppose my favorite Christmas movies are uh, It's a Wonderful Life, White Christmas, and Love Actually. It's a Wonderful Life actually um, prompted 
part of a story I wrote uh, in in Carried to the Grave, the short story collection. There's one called A Christmas Stranger. And I'll just tell you really briefly what prompted it. I was in the local UPS store a couple of weeks before Christmas and the computers were down. And so they were having to enter everything by hand on the busiest shipping day of the year, right? And so I'm in line with my packages and this little old man came up to me and he said, can you make copies yourself? Well, yes, you can. And um, it was clear that he didn't really want to try that. And he had picked me out of the line because I was far enough back that they weren't going to get to me for a while, but also it looked like maybe I would help him. So I set my packages down and, and I tried to just show him how to make the copies. I ended up making the copies for him. And I found myself wondering, why did a 70-year-old man need copies of this college transcript, assuming it was in fact his? That was kind of curious, but you know, no big deal. So then he came back to me in the line and he said, oh, but now I have to pay for them. Oh, you can just cut the line. I said, no, he didn't want to do that. Well, I said, I'll, I'll get them. I've got a copy card. And so they'll be half price. And uh, Merry Christmas. I had to kind of repeat it for him to get the idea that I was going to pay for his copies because it was only going to be 40 cents, right? So he thanked me, left, came back in a couple of minutes later and handed me a Christmas stamp and said, here, Merry Christmas. And basically <laughs> he was paying me for the copies, the stamp. Well, finally, I got up to the line and I sent my shipping and I forgot to pay for his copies. Well, I came back in a few days later for something else that I, I tried to pay for his copies. And the manager loved the story so much that she she wouldn't. And it wouldn't let me pay. So that was the beginning of, of the story, actually. I just started thinking, what, what, who was this man? Why was he making copies of a transcript? And what was it with that stamp? So then my husband and I were watching It's a Wonderful Life, which somehow he had never seen. He'd seen snippets. He knew about it, but he had never seen the whole thing. And I won't spoil my own story, but somehow those two things uh, wound themselves together in my brain. And during the week between Christmas and New Year's, when I thought I was just going to be reading books, I ended up writing a, a short story called The Christmas Stranger. And it was just a lot of fun. You, you just never know where inspiration will come from. And I'm, I'm sure after hearing this, readers will be inspired to buy your Christmas cozy. So where can readers go out and buy a copy of As the Christmas Cookie Crumbles that especially just, you know, it's always good to have a book with you just in case you're waiting in line at the post office, the UPS store. And this is like the perfect thing to read while you're waiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for asking. As the Christmas Cookie Crumbles and all my books in both the Food Lovers Village series and the Spice Shop series set in Pike Place Market in Seattle as well as my standalone uh, Bitterroot Lake, written as Alicia Beckman, are available in all the usual places, uh, both online and in physical bookstores. And of course, we dearly love our physical bookstores, whether they be the, the last remaining chains or the local independents, uh, which uh, do so much for authors, readers, and for our communities. They are available in all the usual places in uh, both physical book. Uh, the cozies are all paperback. The suspense novels, hardcover, and they're all available in audio and ebook as well. 
And where can readers connect with you on uh, Facebook or Twitter or your website? So the best places to find me are my website, lesliebottlewitz.com. I do have a newsletter and subscribers receive a free short story, which is currently one set in Greece, which was a fun thing to write. And uh, also on Facebook as Leslie Bottlewitz, author. Thank you very much for joining me today and, and sharing your uh, stories about the the mysterious man with his transcripts. And I'm like curious to think of why would he be copying his transcripts? It's that's a good point. <laughs> and your stories about your, your cookies and, and decorating days. So thank thank you for being my guest this afternoon. Alexia, it's been a delight. It's always it's always fun to chat with you, and I look forward to seeing you in person. And I thank you for the opportunity to visit with your listeners as well. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. You've been listening to me chat with Leslie Butowitz about As the Christmas Cookie Crumbles, her Christmas-themed Food Lovers Village Cozy Mystery. Until next time, goodbye and happy holidays. Thank you for listening to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Tune in next time for another chat with an author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.